Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine and sponsored by Steer. In the Oil Patch is where together we learn and explore topics that affect us all in oil and gas, business, and in your community. Every week, our host, Kim Bilotto, along with me, Alvin Bailey, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. And welcome to this week's In the Oil Patch. My name's Alvin Bailey here with your host, Kim Bellotto. Kim, uh, it's been a while since we've both been in the same studio. In fact, we're in a new studio. That's right. It's been a while because you've been traveling and I've been traveling. And we've had a couple of things happen, illness, and uh, you got sick, and then I got sick. And so we've now we're back in studio and again. And I've been all over the country, and you've been all over the country, and... You know, now we're back in, in a brand new studio, and I, I, I love the acoustics of this room. It's so quiet in here, and it's so comfortable, and the air conditioning works, and this, Shale Studios is, I mean, we've, we've arrived, Kim. This is a much nicer <laughs> studio, I agree. We're, we're stepping up our game. <laughs> hey, a couple of things before we get to, uh, to David Blackman. Latest issue. I'm so excited. You know, we've had a partnership in place since we actually began Shell Magazine Steer, and it always has been a goal of mine to put them on the cover. Um, and it has always been um, Omar Garcia, like, wait, we're, we're almost there. We're almost there. We're almost there. And finally, he agreed to get on our cover, him and his team. And, you know, there's a lot of case history now that, that he has of wins and, and, and just really, because they were a fairly new organization, too, under five years old. So it was a real honor for us to bring to our readers and our listeners a, a different type of organization, oil and gas organization. And um, it's beautifully written by, of course, David Blackman. And, um, you know, this group really knows how to do what they do very well, and, and that is talk to the media, advocate on behalf of the oil and gas industry, and also advocate on behalf of the community. It's a great fit. Great well, model. And, and you, you will never, ever meet a finer bunch of people than, than the folks that work for Steer. I couldn't agree with you more. We've had such a pleasure having a partnership and friendship with them over the years. And uh, it makes me feel good to be able to tell their story um, in a way that I think that we probably are the only ones who who probably could. Because I think sometimes um, all the work that they do doesn't really get um, noticed. And uh, we wanted to make sure that we were able to capture this organization, its leader, and its uh you know, employees, its its team is just dynamic. So awesome. You know, and, and one of the things that that I've noticed about uh, steer functions is everybody that works for steer likes working with each other. It's just such a great organization, and and it's going to be a great story. So you can check that out online at shalemag.com. That's shale s h a l e mag m a g dot com, and read about our friends at Steer. Kim, the Texas Energy Advocates Coalition. We are still going and growing. Um, we are prepping for next year. Of course, we'll have uh, an energy day as well. Um, we're looking forward to participating with the Consumer Energy Alliance out there in uh, Houston for their uh, energy day here in October. Um, and so we we are uh, active. Um, if we anybody wants to join a, a group of advocates that uh, care about uh, energy, oil and gas specifically, I'm encouraging them to come and join. Go to Shell Mag, click on Teak, and uh, sign up and join. It's free to join. Uh, we do hold different events throughout the year, and we're looking to grow our membership. 
Well, it's time now, Kim, to catch up with our resident energy expert and associate editor of Shale Mag, um, David Blackman. David, welcome to the show today. Hey, thanks for having me. No problem. Hey, um, I want to jump into things because we have a lot of activity um, going on in oil and gas. Um, what is going on? Suddenly, WTI has is on the rise. What do you think is causing that, and uh, is it here to stay? Well, it, you know, it's it's been a nice bump up. Uh, we were over $51 on Monday, and, uh, you know, the WTI price, and um, and Brent was trading at 56 and uh, that's uh, as strong as those prices have been since January. So, uh, I, it, you know, it's a combination of a lot of things, but mainly it's it's due to the fact that traders are realizing that the market is, is growing much tighter now. Um, you know, the, the global surplus is now a few hundred thousand barrels a day, you know, where a year ago it was a million and a half barrels a day. And uh, it's just steadily falling every month. Um, I think everyone is coming to a consensus that, you know, unless OPEC decides to scrap their production limitation agreement, uh, the market will rebalance here sometime early in 2018. And so it's causing some upward uh, pressure on the price, which is which is great. You know, it's still not, you know, where it really needs to be for everyone to be able to, to drill wells in uh, all parts of the country. But uh, it's it's certainly a lot better situation than we were in six months ago. Well, it kind of shores up the crystal ball, uh, <laughs> if you will, that you used when you were talking to us um, in the early part of the year, how you, um, you know, kind of maintained we're going to stay in this this price until probably sometime in 2018. So that was a good call because it looks like it's kind of coming true. But at the yeah. same time that things are rising uh, in the way of pricing, we're also seeing some rig counts slowing down. So tell me a little bit about... Uh, rig count winners, losers for this week. What's going on? Um, tell me a little bit about yeah. why are we losing rigs still? Then, well, it was continuation of the same story since June. You know, the the rig count uh, did fall by a few rigs uh, last week. Uh, it was down by five rigs overall. But you know, we had seven new rigs activated in the Permian Basin uh, because that's where the economics for drilling are the best, and the Eagle Ford held steady, which it has continued to do throughout this very slow fall in the overall national rig count. And, and that's because the, the economics in the Eagle Ford are pretty much better than anywhere except the Permian. So um, the good news for Texas is that, you know, our drilling activity in this state is going to remain strong here throughout the rest of this year. I mean, there's just virtually no question about that. Um, but in other parts of the country where the economics are not as good, the DJ Basin in in, in Colorado, uh, the Bakken in um, in North Dakota, and even the the Scoop Stack, the economics are not quite as good as they are in Texas. You know, the Scoop Stack in Central Oklahoma is still a hot play area, but but their economics just are not quite as good as they are down in Texas. So God bless Texas. There you go, and, and we definitely use those uh, the revenue and the resources uh, to help build our uh, rainy day fund. But I want to go back and visit the scoop and stack because there is uh, they're going into a special session. So tell me what you think is going on in that area, and why is this a very important time for the scoop and stack in Oklahoma? Well, I think, and it is a it's a it's a critical time, and 
uh, I, one of the things that's holding the scoop and stack back from being even hotter than it already is, is the uncertainty uh, within the state government on taxation of the industry. Uh, the Oklahoma state government has run a very significant budget deficit the last three years since the oil price collapsed in 2014, and they have been unable to uh, enact reforms that uh, you know resolve this structural funding issue that they have. And so the industry, there, there's a group, uh, a high level of uncertainty because people are concerned that uh, the state is going to come after the oil and gas industry for more taxes. And when you have that kind of uncertainty, it makes it more difficult for these businesses to plan, you know, their cash flow and and, and their their uh, capital allocations and drilling levels in a particular area. One of the reasons it stays so, so strong in Texas is because we have such a stable situation on regulatory and, and tax uh, from our state government, whereas in some of these other states like Louisiana, man, nobody's drilling in Louisiana right now because – the state government is in, in such an uncertain situation. You see the same thing happening in Oklahoma. Um, and as long as that uncertainty exists, it's going to hold, you know, it's going to rein in the exuberance for, for the scoop stack, even though the, you know, they do have a very, very much a world-class resource up there. So, you know, hopefully after this special session, things will become more stable than people will feel more secure in allocating capital up there. Right. Now, why is it that the the elected officials in Oklahoma City, and Oklahoma as, as a state, doesn't look at the model that's working, obviously, in Texas and move towards that, <laughs> understanding how important these resources are for the overall well-being of their state? What is the well, issue there? Actually, it's, it's um, of course, I've been around a long time. 20 years ago, I can remember talking with one of the, he was actually the Speaker of the House at the time up there in Oklahoma about the need for the state of Oklahoma to have a rainy day fund. And they've never established a rainy day fund like Texas did in 1981. You know, and, and at the time we were having that discussion, Oklahoma was pretty flush and they, they were getting lots of revenues in from the oil and gas industry. A lot of natural gas drilling was going on there and it, it would have been a really good time for the state government to, to build themselves a rainy day fund for just exactly the situation they've been in the last three years. But they chose not to do that, uh, and they never have done it since. And, you know, it's just here in Texas, we got over $10 billion in our rainy day fund, thanks to the oil and gas industry. And that stabilizes your budgetary situation. Exactly. Um, Especially yeah, okay. understanding this is a commodity that is going to go up and down and fluctuate all the time. You would think that they would understand that and be a little bit better prepared. You're not going to have every single year is not going to be a great year, especially in this in this area. You should kind of be prepared for when those times come, especially and seeing how if, they're not. If immune. we have another minute on this topic, I'll also say that that Oklahoma's term limits in their legislature exacerbates this problem because they don't have the institutional. And I know, you know, a lot of people are really very much in favor of term limits, but when you, you've got this 12 year mandatory turnover. And so there's nobody that in the, in the legislature today that remembers 20 years ago when I was having that conversation with the speaker there, Nobody remembers past 2005 because nobody's been there since 2000, 
earlier than 2005. And so you don't have that institutional memory about, you know, what, what could we have done back then that would have helped us now? And, <laughs> you know, it's just one of my pet peeves about Oklahoma State government. But anyway, just my opinion, uh, but, but I think it's a, it's a pretty educated one at this point. Well, David, thank you for the energy update. We do have to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with more of In the Oil Patch Radio Show when we return. You know, great companies take great care of their employees. Ensure the well-being of your workforce with Baptist Healthy Solutions, your answer to convenient and affordable health care that comes to you. Our mobile health unit delivers on-site, state-of-the-art, comprehensive care that keeps your employees healthy from the day they're hired till the day they retire. From pre-employment screenings to routine immunizations to on-site injury care and more, trust Baptist Healthy Solutions with your workforce health care needs. Health care that comes to you. Call 866-334-2485. Again, that's 1-866-334-2485. And welcome back to this week's In the Oil Patch. My name is Alvin Bailey here with Kim Bellotto. Kim, we've got a great guest on the line today. Very interesting company. Gordon Namani, he's the COO, the Chief Operating Officer for Platypus Technologies. Take it away, Kim. Well, Alvin, glad to have you back. You've been gone for a little bit. I've, I've been traveling a little bit. You have. And so uh, I'm glad to have you back in studio with us. And yes, I'm very excited to introduce um, our guest this week, Platypus Technology. Gordon, welcome to In the All Patch Radio Show. It's a pleasure to be with you, Cam. Well, you know, one of the things that uh, I think we pride ourselves on, um, not just as a, uh, you know, we have a, a oil and gas magazine named Shell Magazine, which you guys um, are definitely a partner of, but we really do try to promote awareness and education for companies that are going above and beyond in really trying to help the energy sector become more energy efficient, more efficient with their technology and more cutting edge, if you will. And there's so many great companies that are on the forefront of that. And, you know, Platypus is one of these amazing companies that are are doing um, excellent, te- are working towards excellent technology to really help the energy industry as a whole. So uh, welcome to the show, but I, I, I did want to talk a little bit about the company itself, Platypus. So tell me a little bit about the company, its its heritage, where did it come from? And uh, let's talk a little bit about Platypus before we get into the oil and gas sector. Sure. So Platypus Technologies was founded in 2000 by three University of Wisconsin-Madison professors. Nicholas Abbott, Chris Murphy, and Barbara Israel. And since then, we've been working to develop the liquid crystal-based sensor for gas detection. And so we originally started off with focusing on molecular analysis, but through time and through trials, we figured out that the actual best target for the technology was gas detection. So that's what we've been commercializing the technology for. Okay. Now you guys have also hit a uh, milestone. You guys have been around for a very long time, right? What, what, how many years are you celebrating being in business? So you're definitely not a newcomer. <laughs> definitely not. We've been around since 2000. So this is our 17th year of operation. And I can tell you that through those years, we've had a number of various grants. We've had DARPA grants, DOD grants, and 
what those grants have done was allow us to actually develop our technology. So just only three years ago is when we actually came out with our first commercial liquid crystal-based gas detection sensor. Okay, so it's fairly new in the way of oil and gas, but I, I want to back up just a little bit because it's hard to understand. Um, I, I always, Alvin and I are always talking about how oil and gas, general perception, Alvin, I'm sure you'll you know recognize this, is, is that it's blue collar, it's oil, it's, um, you know, very... Uh, um, it's a very misunderstood industry. It's actually quite the opposite. It's not just blue collar and uh, anyone can get a job and do the job in oil and gas. It's extremely technical. Yeah, today's roughnecks really are as computer literate as, uh, you know, as an astronaut. <laughs> the technology that these guys are dealing with on a daily basis is just mind-blowing. Exactly. And, and Gordon, I'm sure you'll also, you know, what, what I want to talk about is, is also recognize and, and agree with us that, there are some definite key changers when you look at how the oil and gas industry does their work, but it makes sure that it is safe for the community, safe for their workers, safe for the environment. And one of the things that you guys, Platypus, has come up with is some technology that really helps uh, move this uh, forward or, or continuous, continues to help the energy industry stay a, a front of what is commonly known as as a, a toxic gas. So I want to talk a little bit about the gas itself and the sensors that you guys are, are known for. Right. So we have just recently commercialized our hydrogen sulfide platypus dosimeter. And, you know, in the oil and gas industry, the main concern has been to exposure to H2S. That's what hydrogen sulfide is that acronym stands for at, at any rate. So for the last several years, I would say probably for quite some time now, the common way for measuring exposure to hydrogen sulfide has been the use of sorbent tubes. Now, the way the sorbent tubes works is it's a, it's a little patch where um, little, basically a tube that would be adhered to the lapel of a worker's you know, jacket or whatever have you. And that worker works walks around with the sorbent tube for about eight hours or whatever that work shift is. And then after that, the sorbent tube gets packaged and sent out, and it takes 10 to 14 days to get the results back. Well, the platypus sensor, uh, basically based on liquid crystals. Now, the liquid crystals are the same sort of liquid crystals that are inside your phone. We take that, we repurpose it with some chemistry, and that liquid crystal then becomes sensitive to reactions with the specific toxic gas. Now, in this case, our first commercial technology is hydrogen sulfide, but we have a number of sensors currently in development for nitrogen dioxide, chlorine, formaldehyde, and so forth. And so with our specific focus on hydrogen sulfide, the sensor then it allows the users to be able to get a measurement value without actually having to wait for 10 to 14 days as with the sorbent tube. So is it, is it a real-time reading that, that the people, that uh, whoever's wearing the sensor is getting? That, that's right. It, it actually ends up being a 
a cumulative real-time reading. So let's say it's a, an eight-hour shift or a 12-hour shift. It doesn't really matter. But when the worker is done with their shift, and in this case, the industrial hygienist, whoever it is that's reading the device, can now get a real-time value right away without having to wait for a you know period of 10 to 14 days. And you could say, well, you know, this getting your results faster may actually cost more, but because we're working with these liquid crystals that are pretty ubiquitous in this day and age, who do you know that does not have a smartphone? <laughs> it's the real question. And so we've been able to get access to a very low cost uh, raw material that we're now able to then convert to a sensor. So we're producing this technology at a very uh, nice competitive price point that allows our target users to actually save money. So we're not only saving time, but we're also saving money. And of course, with exposure to hydrogen sulfide, we're also you know, hopefully saving lives as well. And, and much more humane than carrying a canary around in a cage with you all day. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, we're, we're, Gordon, we're at the end of this segment. We do need to take a quick break. We've got more in the next segment with Gordon Namani. He is the Chief Operating Officer for Platypus Technologies. You're listening to In the Oil Patch. My name's Alvin Bailey here with Kim Bellotto, and we'll be right back. The vision of the Women's Energy Network is to be the premier organization that educates, attracts, retains, and develops professional women working across the value chain. Also known as WEN, our mission is to develop programs that provide networking opportunities and foster career and leadership development of women who work in the energy industry. Thousands of women are breaking ground in energy industry careers every year and 4,000 of them are already members of the Women's Energy Network across our 14 chapters. Members receive exclusive access to mentoring, job boards, group discussions, member-only networking events, expert speaking engagements, and more. Join today by visiting womensenergynetwork.org slash Houston or call 1-855-390-0650. The Women's Energy Network, empowering women in energy. And welcome back to In the Oil Patch. My name is Alvin Bailey here with Kim Bellotto and our special guest today with Platypus Technologies, Gordon Namini. You're the Chief Operating Officer for Platypus and in the last segment, Gordon, we were talking about your crystal sensor technology, and I want to take just a step back and let's talk about sulfur gas. Now, driving through the oil fields and, you know, the Permian Basin and even, you know, some areas in the Eagle Ford, you, you get that sour gas smell. Is that the product that the sensors are, are finding? Or let, let's talk about the, the sulfur gas. Yes, that, that, in fact, that is the product that the platypus stage 2S dosimeter would measure. And so OSHA has a requirement that individual exposure to the gas should not exceed 100 parts per million. Um, above that level, it's immediately dangerous to life and health. So therefore, OSHA requires that all oil and gas operations, as well as some manufacturing operations, maintain a, an exposure level below that for their workers. And as a result, these companies and operations have to demonstrate compliance with that. And so they use sorbent tubes. They also use colorimetric tubes, which are a, a little lower cost, but are not very precise. And they use four gas monitors that are really expensive and real time, but they don't really um, 
allow every single worker to be outfitted with an exposure measurement device. So the platypus sensor actually is not only low cost in that it would allow every single worker to be actually wear uh, an exposure monitor, but it's also real time. It takes away that 10 to 14 day waiting period for the sorbent tubes, and it allows a very precise reading, which is uh, something that the colorimetric tubes do not um, offer. And of course, because it's lower cost, you can outfit every single worker with one as opposed to groups of workers um, that would ultimately wear the device if it was a four gas monitor. So with that respect, um, H2S is something that's uh, very well known in our industry. And now it's a question of how do you measure uh, the gas and still be compliant with the government at a price point that doesn't you know, create a bankruptcy. <laughs> so right. the, the platypus sensor can you know, be there to fill that gap. Well, you know, safety is is vital, and and I speak because I've just you know been around the oil and gas sector for so long, and and the importance of how they feel, you know, that they do not want anyone on the team to ever be exposed to anything that might harm them or take them to the hospital or or even worse. And so, all of the oil and gas companies. Uh, service companies start with uh, what they call a safety moment. And so it begins every one of their days as safety is priority and the utmost important. And when you talk about H2S gas, which, you know, we all need oil and gas, we all need energy, but it is also uh, sometimes it can be hazard, but so is being a police officer. And so monitoring and making sure that companies invest in the, the best technology available to keep their employees and as well as the community safe is is the most important thing in my opinion I'm sure you'll agree Alvin with all of the oil companies we've met and service companies and you know it's not widely known how far they go with really taking this stuff as seriously as they do and the product you know and looking at H2S gas which is odorless you can't um, see it uh, and yet um, it can be extremely harmful, if not deadly, if you're exposed to it is is very important. And so one of the things that uh, I, I'm aware of is that you've evaluated, uh, you've been evaluated and working closely with OSHA. Um, and they do um, look to work with companies that develop technology to help ensure that the environment as well as uh, safety regulations are being adhered to. And you've had uh, the opportunity to work with OSHA and and looking at some of that data. I want to get into the data with you here. Uh, we're going to have to take a quick break. You are listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, but when we return, we're going to get back into that data. Have you heard of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, the largest state association in the country? 87 years strong, serving independents, and it's right here in Texas. Offices in Houston, Austin, and Wichita Falls. Over 3,000 members of all ages like you who are in the oil and gas industry or who have family members and friends who are. Company members range from one employee to large independents. Lobbying, networking events, and saving you money. For a membership tailored just to fit your budget, contact Sandy Simon at sandis at TexasAlliance.org or call 
281-997-7223. That's 281-997-7223. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us, info at shalemag.com. Again, that's info at shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G, dot com. And you're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today, Gordon, is a COO of Platypus Technology. Gordon, before the break, we were discussing H2S gas, and um, I wanted to come back and visit that topic because in between break, you had talked to me a little bit about that sometimes you can smell H2S gas and, and, and other times you can't. So can you clarify what specifically H2S is as far as can you smell it or can you not smell it and detect it? Sure. So uh, essentially, H2S does give out this rotten egg odor you know, at concentrations that are low in air. So you will initially smell it, but what happens is that there's a quick olfactory fatigue where just after a little bit of exposure, your nose can no longer pick up that odor. And that's what makes it particularly dangerous that with a short amount of exposure over time, your nose can't smell it. And then, you know, you could potentially, you know, walk into areas where there are high levels of H2S, and then that could certainly be dangerous to health. So that's why it's particularly important that you have good monitoring technology for H2S. Right. And we know, I mean, there's a lot of uh, listeners that either have loved ones and or, uh, you know, family that are working in the energy industry. And I think it's definitely uh, was worth clarifying that um, the industry is safe. And these are some of the technologies that they utilize. So that way they're not exposed to it. And if they are um, it, it it goes off and lets them know, hey, this is not a good situation. Uh, get upstream or get out of uh, the way of uh, the air cycle in which it's coming down so that way you're not exposed to any type of uh, H2S gas. That's right. Gordon, uh, you mentioned earlier that you guys have worked with OSHA and, and had them evaluate some of your data. Let's let's get into that a little bit. What uh, What is that all about? Sure. Uh, we've been quite fortunate, Alvin. We've had above $8 million in federal grants over the last several years that's allowed us to develop this liquid crystal-based gas detection technology. And recently, over the last two or three years, we've been working with NIOSH to evaluate the platypus H2S dosimeter at two separate oil and gas operations in the Dakotas. And they've come back to let us know that our dosimeters are actually um, equal, if not better, than the OSHA method for determining H2S. And so we've been encouraged by the results, and we're continuing to invest in commercializing our technology. And so right now, OSHA, um, and I would say particularly NIOSH, uh, rather, is in the throes of evaluating our sensors and other oil and gas operations. So, uh, Gordon, Another uh, interesting product that you guys have is a dosimeter, the platypus dosimeter. Tell me a little bit about what is that designed to do and help um, with the government standards? Sure, sure. So basically, the dosimeter is the format in which we can measure cumulative exposure to H2S. So uh, the dosimeter 
allows any sort of um, gas exposure to be measured over time. And there are dosimeters for multiple types of gases. And in this particular application, we're interested in measuring H2S. And so the sorbent tube is a, can serve as a dosimeter. We have the colorimetric tubes that also serve as dosimeters. Uh, the real-time monitors, such as the four gas sensors and single gas sensors, they are all being outfitted to be able to record the amount of gas over time. So therefore, they can serve as a dosimeter as well. What sets the platypus technology apart is that the sorbent tube, to extract what that dosimeter value is, you have to send it into an independent lab that takes 10 to 14 days to get your results back, right? And so by the time that you get your data back, you may not know if your workers were in fact exposed to H2S, right? So that's not any good. The colorimetric tubes that are being used as dosimeters, they don't really offer good precise exposure information. It's rather, diffuse, it's kind of hard to tell. Whereas with a platypus sensor, not only do we offer that information in real time, but it's a very precise value. And I would say that that's based on all the amount of R&D that we've put into the development of our uh, brand of dosimeter. And so with respect to the foregas sensor and other uh, direct reading instruments that also alarm, they're just quite expensive. They're, we're talking about in the range of $1,800 to $3,000 for a four-gas monitor, whereas the platypus system costs about sixty-five, dollars and you don't have to wait 10 to 14 days to get your results back. And you so, also don't have a lot of fees that are attached to them, too, like lab analysis and um, exactly. different fees that are gonna you're going to have to for shipping out and waiting for the evaluation to come back. You're avoiding that as well. And you know that right now, Gordon, the name of the game is efficiency, especially at $50 a barrel. So not yeah. only is this technology amazing and cutting edge, it actually is saving the oil and gas industry money as well as uh, saving lives oh, as this, well. This is a tool that's being brought to the industry. This is, you know, the equivalent of a uh, field sobriety test versus a breathalyzer, which is going to be more accurate. Exactly. And so I'm really excited to have them on the show because, you know, this is, you know, cutting edge technology. Not a lot of the oil and gas industry is familiar with that's here. And I'm glad we have them on the show to talk about it. Well, Gordon, we do need to take a quick break. We've got another segment. We want to uh, delve in a little further to some of the technologies that Platypus Technologies is bringing to market. Uh, you're listening to In the Oil Patch. My name is Alvin Bailey here with Kim Bellotto and our special guest, Gordon Namini with Platypus Technologies. We'll be right back. Young Women Energized is a free one-night annual event on October 10th for high school girls to learn more about energy and STEM careers and prepare for college. We have programs designed specifically for freshmen, sophomores, junior, seniors, parents, counselors, and educators. We have hands-on exhibits, mentoring tables from companies like BP, Baker Hughes GE, Chenier, and many more. Registration will be live August 25th, and we are currently accepting Women's Energy Network College Scholarship applications through September 25th. Feel free to contact us at H-O-U-Y-W-E at womensenergynetwork.org, or you can find more details at womensenergynetwork.org forward slash Houston and community initiatives. You can follow YWE directly at YWE Houston on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat. 
For more information, go to shellmag.com and click on the Women's Energy Network banner ad. PISA is the Petroleum Equipment and Services Association, who is the unified voice for the energy industry's service, supply, and manufacturing organizations, advocating and supporting continued achievements in job creation, technological innovation, and economic stability. PISA provides corporate membership opportunities in two categories, industry and allied. Over the years, a lot of amazing companies have become members of PISA, but don't take my word for it. Click on the directory on their website and see for yourself. In order to become a member of PISA, all you need to do is go to PESA.org, click on the membership tab, and fill out an application. Once again, that's PESA.org. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, call us to get the right part right now. Here's the number, so write it down. Oilfield experts, 210-471-1923. Again, that's 210-471-1923. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. Email us, info at shalemag.com. And welcome back to In the Oil Patch. My name's Alvin Bailey here with Kim Bellotto, your host. And we've got on the line with us today uh, some very interesting technology, Platypus. Uh, Gordon, I mean, we, we've had a great time talking to you today. You're the COO for Platypus Technologies, and you guys have brought to market some very, very interesting technology that, uh, you know, is is really good for, for tracking the exposure to to different types of gases, not just the, the sour gas, but but all different types of gases, correct? That, that's right. Uh, right now, you could say that we have some technology developments in play for ammonia sensing, nitrogen dioxide, pesticides, carbon monoxide, formaldehyde, chlorine. All these sensors are right now on a development path to get to market in the next couple of years. But the one technology that we actually have out there that people have been purchasing and using has been our H2S dosimeter. You know, that's, that. Is, I don't know about you, but that makes me feel really good because there is so much out there that we get exposed to um, or have the potential of being exposed to. Um, and it's good to see, and our, and our uh, first responders and, and people that are, are working in the science field and stuff. So this is good to know that there's new technology coming on board to try to help uh, exposure early before people get sick and stuff. Absolutely. And with, with an emerging oil and gas industry, especially in the state of Texas, being, you know, adjacent to what's going to be, you know, the Port of Corpus Christi is going to be one of the largest export ports in the world at some point. These guys are really on top of it. So, you know, with with the industry booming like, like it's about to and with all the drilling and, and whatnot going on, this is a, it's a great idea for, you know, not only our oil and gas service companies and our drillers, but our first responders should be able to monitor exposure to these different types of gases in, in cities and in municipalities and schools. And I mean, the, the market is really just, I mean, endless for who could use products from, from Platypus Technologies. Exactly. That's right, Alvin. And I, if I can just add in there, it's not a lack of technology that's out there in the market right now, but really it's a question of cost and price, right? So there is real-time technology that can measure some of these gases that are out there, but some of it is just inexorbitantly expensive. Because we use liquid crystals, the same uh, technology that's inside your phone, it's everywhere. So because of our technology, we're able to take that existing liquor crystals, put it into a format that can allow the sensing of these different gases, but we can do it in a way that's low cost 
and easy to use. And so that's the main differentiator that we think that we'll be able to um, enable people to do gas measurement in areas that they were not able to before because it was too expensive. And so that's why I think that Podpus technology is going to be able to make a difference in the market. Um, I want to talk about some developing technology that you guys have coming. Uh, talk to us a little bit about Platypus spot sensors, uh, and then we'll get into uh, the electronic monitoring. Sure. So the spot sensor is our answer to working with the colorimetric sensors. And so the colorimetric sensors, as I said before, are very diffuse. It's really hard to tell. And like what's happening there, if you look at the results of a colorimetric sensor, it's it's a blind man's guess as to what the reading really is. And so the spot the spot sensor from Platypus, because we're working with liquid crystals, we're able to get very precise readings. And at a price point of around $65 for our dosimeter, we feel that that's uh, much lower than anything else that's out there in the market. We are attempting to go even lower with the spot sensor. We have been able to gauge our price point at around eight to ten dollars for this technology so it's almost the same thing as dosimeter very precise very accurate very real time but the difference is at a much lower cost and it would then still also enable individual readings for individual workers so that's the main difference with the spot sensor and the dosimeter and the electronic monitors those are um tell me a little bit about the wearable electronic devices that uh, with alarms you guys are creating um, is it the clip-on that detects toxic gas? Exactly that, uh, Kim. So we actually are the benefactors of a nice grant from the Department of Homeland Security where we're now taking our spot sensors and we are converting them into um, an electronic signal. So where exposure to a specific gas occurs, the electronic monitor would produce an audible alarm or even a vibratory alarm or even a uh, signal red light to indicate so that others can see that in that specific area, there is in fact um, the presence of a toxic gas. And so that technology has already been demonstrated to the Army Research Office. We did that demonstration last year in our offices in September. And it's also been demonstrated as a tool for mine safety. So we've been able to move the technology along in a really short fashion. And so we expect that by the end of next year, that technology should also be available to the public. And uh, the canaries are going to be real happy to hear that that's coming to the lines. <laughs> well, I don't think that our competitors are going to be too happy because, again, we, we cut the cost of the sensor technology by about half. So. Wow. Well, Gordon, if, if somebody's out listening and they want to get more information about Platypus Technologies, how, how do they get in touch with you guys? Okay, simple. Just go to platypustech.com. That's the animal platypus, T-E-C-H.com. And for our sensors, you'd simply click on our products and chemical sensors link. Very good. Uh, on the World Wide Web, it's platypustech.com. That's 
P-L-A-T-Y-P-U-S-T-E-C-H.com. Gordon Namini, thank you so much for joining us. This very interesting technology. You know, this this is one of the most high-tech industries, probably, Kim, the most high-tech industry in the world today. And, I mean, that's, that's saying something with... Uh, you know, with computer technology, that you know the the apples of the world and the the Microsofts of the world, but I think you know the the oil and gas industry is probably the highest technology industry in operation today. I agree. Well, Gordon, it was so nice having you as a guest, and we look forward to having you back on when you guys have come to market with the monitors as well as uh, the sensors. Please keep us abreast of, of new products that you come out with, and we'd sure love to talk about it. Absolutely, it's been my pleasure. Thank you guys for the time. Well, I think, Kim, you know, it's, it's time for trivia, and I think we need to make uh, Platypus Technologies the, uh, the focus of today's trivia question. Hey, be the first person to email the correct answer to the following trivia question to radio at shalemag.com. Again, that's radio at shalemag, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G, dot com, and you'll win yourself a $100 gift certificate to Fogo de Chao, an amazing Brazilian steakhouse. And today's trivia question is, I'm going to lead into this, Kim. Earlier in the show, Gordon Namini with Platypus Technologies talked about a specific crystal that they use in the sensors for their H2S uh, sensing technology. All you need to do is tell me what kind of crystal that is, and you'll win yourself a $100 gift certificate to Fogo de Chao. Be the first correct answer, emailed to radio at shalemag.com, and uh, you'll be the winner. Well, Kim, that about puts this show in the books. Until next week, hey, be sure and like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com forward slash in the Oil Patch Radio Show on Twitter at Shale Mag and Kim. Until next week. Adios. In the Oil Patch is where together we learn and explore topics that affect us all in oil and gas, business, and in your community. Every week, our host, Kim Bilotto, along with me, Alvin Bailey, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.